Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What? Yeah. No, I'm... Yeah, I'm behaving myself. I'm, no, I'm not playing in abandoned buildings. What? 
Again? Now, I suppose you had those people follow me again. Fine. Hey, this is Jimmy Farrell from Monty and the Farrell, and I want to thank all our subscribers. We have now passed 14,000 on our YouTube channel. But I want to ask our subscribers to take the next step for us and become a full-fledged member of Monty and the Pharaoh. Yeah, that's right, folks. There's three different levels to choose from. There's free shirts. There's free autographs. Just check it out and become a member of Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaoh. Later. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV with the third leg. So two great shows. First yeah. Maven. Yeah, he was and awesome. And then we had the greatest families in pro wrestling. And now cool. we've got the Hall of Famer icon on the couch, Tony. So, Tony, before I get to the news items, just asking you, we did a show right before you, greatest pro wrestling families. Give me your top three greatest pro wrestling families. Not wrestler, like you could have a great wrestler, but what families, top five in wrestling? Most definite, Devon Earth. Yeah. That, that's a most definite. I was moving them up. I agree uh, with him. Yep, yep. I would say uh, the Orton. That's cool. Yeah, they, they were on the list. Okay. And, well, I want to say, as far as, the number one, uh, I would say it would be because there were just so many of uh, the Samoan. And Hawaii. They, 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 they go back to look at that Peter Mazzia. He's, he's, he's got, they're all on the uh, list. Yeah. Seeker, Little Seeker. I mean, they were primarily in wrestling for generations. And now we have Roman, we have Roman in the Usos now. Even now right. Know, Roman Reigns. And, right. And, 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 and so that's a long. Sure is. Even before Peter Mavillo, there was a guy called Sam Steamboat. Okay. Rick Steamboat got his name for him. Okay. So the Samoan, they're going back real, real much. The Von Erks, uh, I, I say Samoan, that do Alfred Seeker, you know, Dwayne Johnson, uh, just piled that, piled that claim. Mm hmm. Because he's the grandson of Peter Mavillo. Uh, uh, now, Tony, our number one, just to get your thoughts on it, our number one family was the McMahon family. What, what, no, that's what that's what these two people said, me and him. But what do you? We I had mean, the Samoans at number two, but we put McMahon's at number one. To be technical, we put the McMahon family at number one because Vince, after all, was the greatest heel in the history of this business, is Mr. McMahon. Exactly. You have Shane, the human kamikaze who kills himself every match. You got Stephanie, who, quite honestly, may be the greatest female villain in the history of this yeah. business. 
you know. So full time, I get you. I get you. We're the Hart Foundation. The Hearts are on the list. Right. They're more, I would say, probably we're saying promoters. Mm-hmm. Promoters, I'll put them in mind. But uh, when you take, like, you, uh, the, the, with the hearts, they go all the way back to Stu Hart, Absolutely. Brett the Hitman Hart, Orn Hart, you look at Jim Nighthart, even now, uh, Natalia. And, 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 and then David Boyd, uh, David Boyd Smith sure. was a part of that family. So, so the, when you talk about wrestling family, what I look at is the generation of people that actually gave blood and sweat in the ring. Thoughts on the Poffo family? And none of the McMahons done that. How about the Poffo family? The Poffo is another one. Okay. But the Poffo is on like two generations. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they were not three generations. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Von Ergs uh, and all them, they like three generations. Right. Well, the, the reason... Like three generations. Uh, uh, Bob Orton Sr., Bob Orton Jr. Right. Randy. Uh, and Barrio. Barry and Randy. Randy Orton. Right. So, right. it, you know, each, I, I right. name all the ones that have really been in this business right. year after year after year, and they've been passed on. You say wrestling family. Right. You know, and these guys were what I call wrestling because they, they gave blood, sweat, and tears in the ring. Right. McMahon didn't do that. Right. They didn't give the blood, sweat, So Bruno Sammartino and David doth not make a family? Is that what you're yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it's just Oops. like you asked me who the top bodybuilders. I'm not gonna name powerlifters, right? Even though they both lift you. weights, it's not the same thing. I got you. You know, and then you, you take you take the Vashon family. They they was around for generations. Sure. You know, sure. went all the way up to Luna Vashon. So, right. Uh, and these, they have many great wrestling families in this business that that generation after generation after generation stepped in, uh, where uh, like Mulligan. I was just about that to that gun, you know. And, you got Barry. Wait, wait, look at his his family. You Bray know, Wyatt. Blood family, but but he go all the way. You know, Mike Watonda. Right. You know, Mike Watonda all the way up to Mike Watonda and and the, uh, what's the other kid? Uh, Bo, uh, da- Bo, Bo Bo Dallas, Dallas. Bray Wyatt and, and Bo Dallas. Bray Wyatt, yeah, sure. You know, that's all part of, of the yeah. Black, Black clan. It's a hell of a clan. You know, uh, yeah. Barry Wyndham, and and right. it's still it's still flowing today. Right. Yeah. So they Black Jack Mulligan family would be a a family to uh, Chavo Guerrero, the Guerreros. Guerreros. The Guerrero was another legendary. Dust, Dusty's had a couple of kids. Yeah, we're the same thing with Dusty Rose. There Dusty you go. Rose, and I got Cody Rose. Right. And, and you know, and 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 and, and Gold Dust. So right. there, there's a lot of. It's hard to say that one is the it is above the other. But I would say if I had to pick a number one, it had to be. Samoan first Von Erich second. Any pressure? I would think there would be pressure, but is there any resentment that comes from the wrestlers who are not in one of those families in the locker room when they see one of the guys that are in a wrestling family? Is there an, any kind of arrogance that may come with, hey, well, I'm see, in a wrestling this, family. Who the fuck are you? I don't know, you know if you ever hear this, but when they had the war between WCW and WWF at that mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon, these are his words. Ted Turner lost because he was in the wrestling business. Right. I won because I'm in the entertainment business. Right. So to Vince, he was never in the... His father was in the wrestling business. Right. Vince and Stephanie had never, or Shane, had never been in the wrestling business. They're in the entertainment business. And you asked about wrestling, not sports entertainment. Right. 
which is how yeah, we got WrestleMania. Words. I mean, I'm not knocking. Yeah, them, no, but that's but how that's we got. Said. That's how we got WrestleMania. Vince always thought bigger than just the sport of wrestling itself. He always did. That's yeah. why his presentation's over the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he he did not he did not want to be in the wrestling business. Right. So he changed the whole flow map of uh, wrestling, probably forever. Right. It probably would never go back to what it was. Do you like AEW? Do you see any of AEW, the other, you know, Vince's uh, competition? Does that do anything for you? I don't watch any wrestling. No, you totally don't. I don't huh? watch WWE. I don't watch AEW. I don't watch none of that. Why do you Why do you choose not to watch any wrestling? I'm just curious. I don't have time. Okay. That's the only reason. I, I oh, don't that's have, it. You're not like turned off by anything about wrestling. I don't or have anything? time. No. Okay. I, I don't have the time. Okay. Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, we see that often, right? The the wrestler, like even the old like football Dude, players. We and have stuff barely they don't have watch. enough time to squeeze in wrestling no, the way sure. it seems with our schedules. I get it. So, I guys, totally we got uh, Christmas is coming, and yep. you know, there's been like 14 Christmases that there hasn't been any snow in a what? row. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So we got a potential blockbuster okay. snow snowstorm brewing in the central and eastern states ahead of Christmas. Okay. Major snowstorm expected. Farrell, are you ready for some snow? No. I can't stand it. We already stuff. got ours in Maine. Yeah, I don't like snow. Do you really? Yeah, yeah we got one. Uh, it, it, start, it went Friday into Saturday. How much did you get? Uh, where, where I live, eight inches. Okay. Mm. All we right, that's sizable. Inches. That's a lot. That's sizable. I hate snow. As I've gotten older, I mean, as a, ch as a child, it's very easy to love snow. You're not driving in it. You don't have to deal with sliding off the road or dealing with some other asshole who has no respect for nature and slides into you. So I have... As the years go, and shoveling too. As a little kid, you're not, your dad's usually doing the shoveling. So as you get older, now you're doing all the shoveling and you got to drive in this shit? No thanks. I could kill, I could really, you know, I really hate it. Well, Tony, speaking of, speaking of eight inches, our new sponsor, Manscaped, <laughs> the new weed whacker nice can, can clean up your eight inches and get you nice and trimmed for, you know. Maybe some certain thing that may go on. Do we need in to the upgrade future? to a 10 inch for you, Tony? What is that for? It's to clean up your eight inches, to trim it up. It's your weed whacker. Kind of not be so retro. You clean down below. You clean don't have to look like below, Ron Jeremy. Get that all cleaned up, trim that hair up a little bit. Who would want to look like And just much? if you use the M&P discount code, you get 20% off of this weed whacker. Oh, wow. So you can really take care of your eight inches. What about the bugs? I don't know if this gets this, any. This thing, I don't know. If, this doesn't know have this a gets, bug uh, removal. There's no bug removal in here. <laughs> so you're probably gonna have to use some sort are these, of. Are uh, these bugs embedded deep in the weeds? <laughs> they, they they just jump around. They, I leave them alone. They don't bother me. I don't bother them. That's all. That's, that's yeah. good. But if you use the code M N P, that's M A N D A N D P, twenty percent off, and tell them Monty DeFaro sent you, and you could have your very own weed whacker. It's a great. Listen, hey. Maven said he likes it. You know yeah. something. In the wrestling world, when I first started in the seventies and in the eighties, this was the best the best time of the year for all the wrestlers all over the world was from the fifteenth to the twenty fifth. We was off. See what a lot of people don't realize, if you ever talk to Rick Flair or anybody out in the seventies, there's three hundred and sixty five days in a year. Mm-hmm. Wrestlers used to work 355 days of them year. The only time we have a day off was between uh, the 15th of December to the 26th of December. But if you was in places like Texas and some southern state, you would even work on Christmas Day. 
So we never really had. They, they used to give us New Year's Eve off because mm. they was afraid that the, there were so many drunks on the road back then. They were afraid one of the, the wrestler being in an accident and wouldn't be able to make the show the next day. Mm -hmm. So a wrestler only had 11 days off. Like, give you a prime example. Like in Charlotte, I, I, I was married then. I was living in Charlotte. And I would leave uh, Charlotte. We do Charlotte Monday night. Then Tuesday, we go to Raleigh and do Raleigh. Uh, a house show. Then we stay over Wednesday and do Raleigh TV. Then you would drive to Norfolk or somewhere uh, on Thursday. And then Friday, you did Richmond or some or another town. Uh, Saturday, you did my hometown, Roanoke. Sunday, you did Greensboro. So if you was married to a wrestler during that time, you saw that wrestler that week one day. Monday. Mm. And this went on for t time and time and time again. But later on, McMahon Jr. changed it where guys only work uh, four days a week. Uh, they, they would work even from, uh, like I was on SmackDown and SmackDown did, uh, I left Wednesday. No, I flew home Wednesday. Something like that. Uh, I think I left yeah, I work Monday, Tuesday, no, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So I was off three days. I used to fly home on Wednesday, and then I had to leave back out, uh, I think it was Saturday. And then Raw, they worked until Tuesday. Tuesday, they would go home uh, on Monday night Raw. But the guys have four days a week off, but really... Three days, but really you only had two days off because one of the days were traveling. Mm -hmm. So Vince gave you two days off a week. Vince reduced the work schedule. Huh? You're telling me Vince reduced the work schedule at one point then? Yeah, because Vince told me one time driver. years ago, years <laughs> ago, he was doing this, you know, you do these albums. You know, mm -hmm. before everybody do the 45, you mm -hmm. do the album. We make an album called the Na Na. Na 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 na. So he sat and talked to me a lot about his idea that his father was against, but he thought it was a great idea. Right. And he said, if if it was up to him, he would only do TV and pay per view. He said the only reason he do house show is to keep the boys busy. But Vince never was interested in doing house show. He said, I, he said, it was up to me. I would rather just do a, a pay-per-view and TV. That sounds about right. And, and that's we saw much, a lot more house shows yeah, when but, you Senior know, was running shit. We yeah, did, but though. here's the thing. We did, though, with Senior. Back, back with WCW, right, and when they were at the war with WWE, the thing that saved the WWE were the house shows because mm. WCW wasn't doing house shows. Right. So all they that's had true. was TV revenue and pay-per-view revenue. That's true. Yeah. WWE was having house show that's revenue. True. Yeah, that's so true. So for what I understand, the house show revenue is good to the company. Again, I, I don't know for sure. Well, no, not really. The house show is just for the boys. They don't – like I wrestled – I was with Vince Sr., Vince Sr., and uh, I remember, you know, you get your paycheck. And you got paid for the for the that the small venue uh, we got paid that night, but for the Coliseum show like Nassau Coliseum, Magic God, we got paid at TV every three weeks. It was all in a check. Okay. So I was looking at my pay stub, and I noticed I wrestled in Philly. I got fifteen hundred dollars. 
I wrestled in Madison Square Garden. I got 600. So I went to Vince Sr. and I asked him, how come I made more in Philly, more in Nassau Coliseum, more in Boston Garden than I do in Madison Square Garden? Right. He said, Tony, you don't, the wrestlers are the only ones that get paid. He said, I don't make a penny off the garden. He said, it cost me $20,000 just to open the doors. Just to, just to open the door, it was 20 grand back, back then. And uh, he, I said, well, why are you doing it if you don't make no money? He said, for the, pu the publicity. Okay. Because Madison Square Garden was TV. So people used to come home. We used to wrestle in Madison Square Garden and then go to 49th and 8th Street at the Ramada Inn. It was called the Ramada Inn at the time. And then I would, I would watch my match on Madison Square Garden TV. So he did it for the TV. Was it, he must have been right. He must have been making money from the garden MSG cable. No, nope, no. Nope, he wasn't making money nope, with the television it cost too deal. Much. You had to Who pay too show much for free at the yeah, garden. Yeah, if they, yeah, they had to. They had to pay um, so much to open it. They had to pay to, so police. To, 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 he didn't lose so, money on his garden live events, did he? At the garden, he never made money. What the? So Tony, Tony's right. At one point, wow. you had a if you were going to have a, something there, you had to pay the garden to use it. Sure. When when things started that. changing, popularity changed. Right. Then, like for WrestleMania now, where Vince paid the Garden to do WrestleMania, okay. yeah. right in closed circuit. Right. Now you've got cities paying Vince right. to bring WrestleMania to their city. I would now think so. Do, yeah. yeah right. And also, so. also, what people don't know about, see, not only had to pay twenty thousand dollars just to open the gate, that just opened the gate. He had to the. The, the athletic commission of New York assigned the referees. Right. The right. Vince couldn't even book his own referees. You have to use what the what they send you. What they yeah right. At a set price. So a lot of referees come in making more money than the wrestlers. Also, crazy. you had to pay what they call gate tax. Billy Caputo was the big breadwinner. Gilbert, well, you had to, they had to pay. Roman well, they had to the pay big... gate tax too. On, on top of that, plus all the boys have to during that time you had to wrestle. You had to have an EKG. And a physical before right. you had to be licensed. So you right. had to pay for the license. Wow. You had to pay and you, and to get a license. You had to have an EKG and a physical. So the moment Vince McMahon says this is entertainment, he gets away from all this shit. He's a genius. Got rid of the athletic He's commission. A genius. Yeah. So, genius. but but he made he made money in Philly. He made money in the Boston Garden. But with the Master of God, that was mainly. He did it. He told me this. Is what he tell me. I, you know, I'm not a promoter. But he said he did it strictly for the publicity. Interesting. And, and so people see us on Madison Square Garden TV, and it went everywhere. They played all week. Right. They used to play that all week. Right, so, right, right. So, so right. by the time, you know, we go to these other stuff, we'd be on, you know, everybody in New York area saw us. So they would come to the Nassau Coliseum. They'd mm -hmm. come to the, at that time, they used to call it the Meadowlands. Mm -hmm. Now it's the American Dream or something. You remember yeah. the Comac Arena in Comac? Yes. Did, the, in a place like that, you got paid that night, right? That night, yeah. Okay. Small I just builders, to get yeah. that straight. That's very interesting. But like if you wrestle anything, okay. anything that was not a Coliseum. What did you make at the Comac Arena? Do you remember for one match? Just No, we, we were... Uh, what did they give you that night? Like, let's well, say you see, wrestled they didn't, that... have, they didn't have guarantees back there. We okay. got a percentage. Okay. Whatever the house was. Just, of the house. What just like the if, house? Right, if you oh, was a main event, you got 8%. Okay. So if the, if he did a hundred thousand dollar, you got eight grand for that night. Well, that's not so bad. That's not bad. That's so we got we got a percentage. Each match yeah. got a percentage of the 
Now, I didn't get eight grams. The, the main event got eight I, grams. I got you. Which means four for you. And but you were usually back in those days, if you did appear at the Colmack Arena in the early 80s, you were at least draw, match number two money. or number three. You were in the top three matches. Well, you had to be. You had to know how to draw money. Right. And if you couldn't put ashes in a seat, you couldn't put money in your pocket. Yeah, you put because us in the seat. Got, we got so. paid. There was no guarantees. Right. So everybody got paid off the door. Off the percentage. So if whatever okay. came to the door, it, it, it's how, how they would pay you. Understood. So if the house was. Was, was shitted, it didn't matter if you was, it didn't matter where you was right. at. If right. you only had 100 people in the building, ain't nobody making no money. That's mm. that. Right. You know? Understood. And that's why they always put guys in the top, not because they were great wrestlers, because they knew how to put butts in yours. the seat. Right. You have to have something that would draw people that people wanted to see. Right. And it did, had nothing to do with your wrestling business. Right. You take a Chief J. Stormboat. You know, at, in his day, he was a good wrestler, but towards the end, he was not that great mm -hmm. a wrestler. Mm -hmm. But he still had the ability. He had a lot of fans. And he had the ability to to draw people to the building. Sure. Pedro Morales was the same way. Right. Uh, he knew how to draw people to the building. To me, Johnny Ross was one of probably the best uh, wrestlers in WWE at that time. Mm -hmm. But he didn't have the same drawing power. Of course. As... Pedro Morales. Right, right. Bob Backlow was a great wrestler, but he didn't have the same drawing power as Hulk Hogan right. or Stone Cold. Right. And I think Vince is running into the same problem now. So Vince got smart. In the older days, Vince used the company to build the wrestlers. Right. So if Hulk Hogan didn't show up, you had a problem. If Bret Hart didn't show up, you had a problem. Right. So, so how Vince switched around to save the company, he don't use the company to build the wrestler more. He used the wrestlers to build the company. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yep. people don't go to see, like in old days, people would go to see Bruno. Right. I want to see Bruno San Martino. Right. I'm going to see Jimmy Slooker. Right. Uh, I'm going to see, uh, if, uh, 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 are you go and people ask you, are you going to see Hulk Hogan? Are you going to see Chief right. Jay Strongbow? Now it's now it's I'm going to go to WrestleMania. Okay. Right I'm now I'm going to, go to WrestleMania Rumble. to see the WWE. Right. You event. don't care, right. like if they right. if WrestleMania sold out before they even know what the card right. is. Right. Well, give you a prime example. Exactly. John Cena five years ago was the hottest ticket in the world. He's the last great. He left. He stars, left. As you said, you know. The next day, it was like he was never there. Right. Because Cena is no bigger than. Anyone. It's the company now. People go to see WWE. Okay, we've discussed so this. So that's why you can get rid of certain guys. But, but Tony, we discussed this, right? It's true. The ratings it's like didn't sink after the The wrestler left. needs the company, sink. and they can make their money thanks to the machine that builds them. Right. That's right. If they decide, we talk about it all the time, the wrestler also decides they're bigger than the company. Happens. And they always realize that... Guess what? After your short term, after everybody's all upset that you left, right. and some other organization brings you and gives you big money, CM Punk <coughs> ends really quickly yeah. for yep. you, and it's real over, fast. And you just yeah. become. We we're talking about Mandy Rose. I don't know if you know Mandy Rose, gorgeous girl. Yeah. All of a sudden, turned her career around, became a better wrestler. They let her go because she was getting a little too racy on her uh, on her thing. Mandy Rose, if she's not careful, will just be another pretty face. Right. Doing nothing. Right. Same thing with Sasha Banks. Well, I Sasha agree. Banks is going to make her money in Japan. I agree. And then she'll quickly be gone. She'll disappear. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. What, what, what was the African-American girl? Uh, she married one of the... Naomi. Now, 
Anybody seen her? See, that one I feel is going to be different because I think she Vince knows what he's to, got in Roman. She can come he back to the He doesn't want to bloodline. piss somebody off. She can come back to the They bloodline. don't, you know, you really piss her off, then you're going to get the Usos pissed off, and right. then it'll be, you Yeah, know, there's a family dynamic there. You don't think it matters, In her huh? case. Doesn't matter. Nah. One thing about Vince. Fool me once. Shame on me. I mean, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. He would never, ever, never, never, ever allow her to to do that to him again. Right, right. I believe that. Naomi would I never agree. see the end. If she go back, she would never get that opportunity again. She didn't bring you back. Just like he brought me back. I mean, I had the best physique, one of the best physique in the United States. But he brought me back, but he never put me you never get that spot again. No, you would never. See, no. each time you come back, yeah. you, you leave, yeah. you're here. You come back, you're here. Right. Right. He gradually. And the only reason, the only reason he would bring Naomi back is that so she don't go nowhere else. He'd bring her back and set her on a shelf. You know how I many wrestlers is sitting there, they would come there every week and sit in the dressing room and never walk on TV? I wish more mainstream sports like baseball teams and football teams, you piss me off. I'm going to keep you on the contract, but I'm going to fucking end your career and make you sit here. Right. I would love to see that. Right. I always wish that. So, Tony, right. the fans haven't seen you in a very long time. You know how popular you are with all the fans. You're popular with everybody. You know how much yeah. I love you and Farrell loves you. So, first, I want to say happy holidays. And I want to say every time we speak and every time I think of you, I thank you for the friendship that we built. And, you know, this is a time to reflect on that. And I want to say thank you, Tony. Like a ledger contract. What a ledger contract means, you're through. Gotcha. Now, he would let you do little stuff. But as soon as something big come along, like a movie or action figure or anything that's going to put money in your pocket, you got to get permission for Vince. And if he said no, you can't do it. Then don't sign a Legends contract. Guys don't know that until they get it. See, once you... <coughs> Johnny Ross told me that two weeks after I got to the WWF. Johnny Ross told me. He said, told it. These people will make you a millionaire, but if you screw them once, they will never trust you again. Well, it makes sense. They will never trust you again. And you know, you know where they got that philosophy from? Japan. I sold out every bill in Japan. I wanted to, I was so strong, they would have me in the ring, lifting weights in the ring in Japan. I'm on a magazine, I'm doing here, I get invited to the sumo stuff and all these awards and stuff. I was standing at the, the bus and I missed the bus. I was late for the show. They never brought me back. Mm. First impression, last impression. <laughs> all right, I wanna I wanna veer you off for one week away from Christmas. I'm very we're both very interested in We'd like to hear some Tony Atlas Christmas stories. We'd like you to tell a story from you growing up as a young child, maybe telling one when you were a wrestler, and then maybe one presently with you and Monica. So go ahead. Start with when you were a kid. You got a Christmas memory from when you were a kid of any kind that you can share with the audience? My best Christmas was when I was... Uh, 11 years old. Oh, okay. The state came. It was nine kids. So 
we used to go to school dirty and hungry because we didn't have food in the house and we didn't have running water. The water was a well. You go out, you put a bucket down in the well, you draw the bucket up, you have to take the water in and heat it on a stove. And that's how you, you bathe, you sponge bath. Mm -hmm. So in the one time, we didn't even do that. So I used to go to school, I just smelled like, you know, I stunk real okay. bad, real bad. So that somebody reported us to the state that we had no food in the house, no heat, no this. So there's something to a place in uh, up near Petersburg, Virginia, called the, the Virginia Negro Baptist Children's Home. And that was the first Christmas I ever had. Mm. But I never celebrated Christmas. I never had a good Christmas. Never. I was even working or I was giving to other people. But I never had a Christmas. Most wrestlers never did. Back, especially back in the older days, we didn't have Christmas. We didn't celebrate the holiday. We was always entertaining on the holidays. And even at home now, I don't celebrate Christmas. Never did. So it was never like a wrestling Christmas party? Like, because you said you were off during this period. Like, you know, did the like office. Adrian Adonis invite the you office. guys over for a party? Office. Office. Okay. If you're in the office, they would throw a little thing for you or something. But I can't remember ever celebrating Christmas my whole life. I can't remember one Christmas I celebrated. But I do remember my first time that I almost got a gift for Christmas. I was 11, 11 years old when I got my first Christmas gift. My mother could never afford to give us Christmas gifts. So we never, no, never thought, I grew up not even thinking about it. So, so when Christmas and Thanksgiving, all that stuff come out, I tried to uh, hope it go by as quickly as possible. I tried not to think about it. Just like this, uh, I, my wife been in the hospital for going on, this be the third Christmas she be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So every Christmas, I'm sitting in the hospital with my wife for the past three years. But I, I can't remember having a Christmas. I can't. I remember buying other people gifts, but I don't remember, I, I can't remember people ever giving me anything. I mean, receiving gifts or nothing. I was always a giver. But, but I never I never really celebrated Christmas, come, come to think about it. What is Christmas? All Thanksgiving. What does Christmas mean to Tony Atlas? The birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Okay. Okay. That's what it means to me. Right. But but when I walk around, I don't see it. Mm. So I celebrate Christmas. My mom used to celebrate Christmas by going to church and praise the Lord. That was how she celebrate Christmas. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. She said it's not about the gifts and stuff like that. But Christmas never meant anything to me. And I don't, I don't want to spoil other people's Christmas, no, no. but when you was raised up like me and, and lived the life I lived, right. you know, Christmas is just another day. Did you ever have much church as a kid, getting a chance to go to church? doesn't when sound I was like you a had kid, a chance to do much. When I was a kid, <clears throat> when I graduated from high school, I finished high school with the same clothes I started school with. My mother would work from 7 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock in the afternoon, go back at 3 and work until 11, five days a week. And then on, on uh, Saturday, she worked 7 to 3. She didn't do the sucker shit. Sunday, she refused to work because she, she went to church. And she believed that that's the Lord's day, that on Sunday you should rest and praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. But we grew, up, we grew up real, real, real poor. And that's probably why when I grew up, I had no value for money.
And George Scott, my mentor and my father, the closest thing to a father over here, they used to puzzle him. Say, How could somebody grow up so poor and have such little value for money? He couldn't understand that. Mm. You know? But I, I did. I never really had a lot of value for money. You know, a lot of people say, well, Tony used up all his money on drugs and this, that. I would give it away. So when you were making, you were making some really good money for a while. I would right? give it Pro away. Wrestling. I was you... like, I was like Elvis. I thought the, 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 it would never, never end. So if I see something, Laura be around me, she could tell you, I, every time I see a homeless person, I stop to give money. I give people money. Even if I don't have it, I would give. You never, but like when you had that, when you were making that kind of money, did you ever go home to your mother and be like, hey, mom, I'm making this yes. money now. Yeah. Here's some money. Let's, yeah. you know. Yeah. I yeah. did it all the time. Not just my mom, my brother, friends. I went, one day I had $3,000. I went home and I called George Scott for money, for gas to get back to Charlotte. He said, what happened to all the money? I said, I gave it away. That's why he couldn't understand how can I be so generous and have so little. What made you think that it would never end? You said that's why you gave away the money. You figured it would never end. What made you think that it would never end? We're all young. Okay. Young, dumb, and okay. stupid. Okay. Because we just figured, hey, I finally made it. Right. So you figured the bubble would never burst. You figured, oh, when I get this age, I'm gonna do this. I get this age. You know, you don't think of all the tribulation and stuff that would happen in a person's life. And we were traveling around the world. We didn't. Wrestlers never grow up. They, you didn't. You didn't want to grow up in this business, cause then you no good to the promoter. Mm. So we stayed kids for other. You said George Scott was the closest thing Look possibly to Look at Rick Flair. Be... What are you, 70, he's a 70-year-old kid. 73, but Flair who's ain't grown. Yeah. Flair would go out and spend money like there's no tomorrow even today. Did George Scott try to tell you about spending and valuing money? All I mean, you time. said he in was fact, the closest. In fact, one time, they, they, they started uh, uh, taking my check away. They are giving me money, just enough money to for, get by. Right. for the travel. Gotcha. Because I would give it away. So what happened after a while? Give me my money. This isn't working. I want my money. Yeah. I would never say. Wow. You know, that, would just, that was just me. And I was just very, very generous. I, I, I was the type of person, it was hard for me to enjoy something. Knowing there's so many people in need. And I got a pocket full of money. And I, and I can't. Drive by a guy standing in the cold in the state of Maine, right. 20 below zero, with right. a little sand with cardboard, with a little writing that he written with crayon. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm hungry, feed me. And I'm sitting there in a $60,000 car, mm. thousand, got a couple of grand in my pocket, and can't stop to give that guy at least a dollar? Right. Right. Now, I don't know the answer to this, but why not? I'll throw it out there. Did. You said you know, that Vince would give you guys 10 days off through Christmas, right. Junior. Did they throw a yearly Christmas company party? I'm just curious, the WWF. Not for would, me. But I was just curious if I they would never, have one. I was never at one. Okay. Did they See, have them? Like I said, there was a pecking order. Right. Huck Hogan used to always get me in trouble. Okay. Cause they would send a limousine to the hotel to pick up Hogan and Vince. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hogan would see me. Hey, tell me, get in the limousine with him. Vince didn't like that, but Hogan did it anyway. Mm. You know, 
Because to Hogan, I was his friend. Right. You know, that's how Hogan Hogan was. I was Hogan's friend. Right. So Hogan would invite me to stuff where I was not invited. Okay. So I would make a I knew I was not wanted. So I make an excuse like I gotta go do something to get out of there. Right. Hogan said, Oh no, you my friend stay. Hogan used to invite me to them parties all the time. But if you was like Huck Hogan or Stone Cold or they had a a pecking order. Certain people would know about it. Certain people didn't know about it. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. and the business it's not just the rest of business. I suppose every business is uh, 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 that it's, way. It's that way, yeah. Yeah, it's just how it is, you know. If you're in, a, in the office, it, you know, that, that, uh, a top draw. Mm-hmm. Like I got invited to one party one time with the Crockett. One time. They used to have a party, a Christmas party in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. And uh, a wrestler by the name of Wahoo McDaniel. Oh, yeah. I was riding with him. And I said, Wahoo, I can get a ride with Rufus. Now, Rufus uh, Jones was a black wrestler, but he was a top star. But he was not invited. Okay. So Rufus was driving back to Charlotte. It was only a two-hour drive. And he said he wasn't invited to the party. So Wahoo said, well, you with me, kid. We're going to the party. And I remember when I walked through the door, it was like, you can hear a red piss on cotton. <laughs> like what the f-, f are you doing here? <coughs> so that's that's not just wrestling. I'm not knocking the business. The wrestling business was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It has been. Yeah. I mean, what I always look back. What would I have done? I'm I'm barely educated. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not smart by no means. Uh, my pronunciation of words is not that good. I only got a high school education. I'm not that talented in nothing except for lifting weights and drawing, you know, pretty much all I could do. I don't have any trade. So I always look back, where would Tony Atlas been if it wasn't for wrestling? Well, it's interesting you brought that up because Biggs Boss Fetty is asking, why doesn't Rufus R. Jones get more credit for breaking the color barrier by other black wrestlers? He barely gets mentioned nowadays. Well... Vince bought all the library. Okay. When he bought WCW. Mm-hmm. So everything that went with WCW is sitting on a shelf somewhere. And he liked closure. You know what that is? Mm-hmm. Closure means once I finish with you, you're done. Right. Vince just wanted his creation. If you look back on Vince when he first took over, everything his father created, Vince got rid of. It was the end, not just the end of a, I, when Vince took over, what happened with Captain Lou Albano? Right. What happened with Freddie Blassett? Right. Tony, he took a lot of the guys that used, and made them agents, a lot of them, mm-hmm. but he stopped using these guys altogether. Johnny Rod, everything that Vince, that senior made, Vince uh, Jr. got rid of and started his own. Did Vince know. Jr. not like his father? I just think he wanted his own stamp on things. I don't know their personal life, but my wife, before she went to the hospital, she was kind of psychic. And Vince Sr., you treat me like a son. I mean, I can get away with blood and murder with Vince Sr. Mm-hmm. Vince Jr. couldn't get away with nothing. My wife told me one time, and I thought she was playing around, she said, 
Vince is jealous of your relationship. He want the relationship you got with his father. Vince wanted. My wife said that. They he had a butter Vince Jr. Senior had a butter relationship with the wrestlers than he could with his son. We could come and ask Vince something and get it. Junior actually didn't get nothing. He's, he gave one, his first talent he gave to him was Bangor, Maine. That was Vince Jr.'s first promotion, Bangor, Maine. Mm. He said, if you get that going, I'll give you more towns. But he never got, uh, I could get more out of Vince Sr. than Vince Jr. could get out of it. Let's put it that way. Interesting. Yeah. So he worked his son hard, he had a re- yeah, and he, was, he played the, the hard card with him. Yeah, wow. he had a better relationship. Vince Sr. had a better relationship with uh, the wrestlers than he did with Junior. So in a way, is Vince McMahon Jr. treating wrestlers the way his father treated him? I think it made him what he is, though. That's very interesting, dude. See, That's Vince did not want him to become a wrestler because a wrestler way of looking at things is totally different than a promotion. Perspective. Sure. Oh, yeah. I got to understand the promotion when I, uh, 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 when I started promoting myself. That's when I started understanding uh, pro, uh, pro- promotion. You know, I had to do it myself. How and difficult I, was that? I had to put myself in like McMahon's shoes. Right. And it was a whole new ball game for me to have to deal with people and their gripes and their, their tardiness and the lack of cooperation, you have to deal with all of that. Found it a lot easier being right, a wrestler than a... as a wrestler, you're only responsible for yourself So you found So you found it easier being a wrestler than a promoter. That's for shit sure, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, a wrestler, you ain't, you ain't got to worry about nothing but... Right. Uh, yeah, but what, go, about 15 minutes. Right. Your worries is, is 15 minutes, then you're done. There you go. A promotion, as soon as he finished... He had, first, he put a show together... And then he had to make sure that show lead into the next show. Right. He had to make sure the TV, he got to make sure this is done and that is done. Got to keep everybody done. happy. You're like a psychologist yeah. on top of it. And all I do is walk, yeah. go in the ring and worry about throwing a couple wow. of drop kick and a press slam. There you go. All right, Tony, I got to get this in because Studio 54, we've never talked about it. I'm on uh, that Studio 54 uh, run. Have you ever been to Studio 54? And if I can, went, can you tell a story? I went a couple of times, but I don't remember <laughs> You don't remember nothing. So you do remember Studio 54. I remember then. going through the door. There you go. <laughs> nice. I remember walking through the door. Nice. I don't remember coming out. Probably came out naked with white stuff all over your nose, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> no, it wasn't so much the drugs. <laughs> the no, drugs not for so me. much. The, the old time wrestler, we were so much into the alcohol. Okay. The drugs wasn't all that big during the, the uh, Studio 50. This the is drugs, the 70s. Yeah, the drugs but... started hitting uh, wrestling in the nannies. Okay, the, heavy, the, the heavy, drugs, heavy shit? Yeah. The nannies is when the drugs really okay. started okay. getting real heavy in the wrestling business. It was right. the nannies. It was in the 70s, a lot of alcohol, a lot of always pot. When does cocaine make its rear its ugly head in this business? In the 80s with like the Adrian Adonis's and Pipers and stuff like that? Uh, or is cocaine around during the 70s too and we just didn't know about it? We didn't know about it. Okay. But the nannies was really, really was that's the where, late 80s, early 90s. That's, that's when the cocaine. Things get out of control. Yeah, yeah. But like even during the 80s, it wasn't really that. There were some guys doing it, but not. it was not like a big. Most of the guys was a, a lot of pot smoking. Okay. And beer drinking. All right. Beer and pot was mainly the. 
the appetite right. of the wrestler. But then when the nannies, hit, you know, they started bringing these younger kids, and they and they brought the new drugs with them. And right. They didn't want to smoke pot. They didn't want to drink beer. They want to do blow. Yeah, they was into the big. <laughs> but the, the the thing that was even everybody always talk about the pot. Everybody talk about the cocaine, but they never talk about the worst thing that ever hit the wrestling business. And it is? The pills. Pills. Okay. You can't sit there and name one wrestler that died from alcohol. Right. You can't name one wrestler that died from pot. Right. And you can't even name one wrestler that died from cocaine. Okay. But every wrestler that, that you can name died from octic cotton. Mm. And that comes from the doctor. Right. So when Vince told the guy that can't smoke pot no more. See, first pot, what Teddy Long told me, was not on the list as, as something you can't do. Mm-hmm. So you could drink, you could smoke pot, you couldn't do cocaine right. or acid or any of that stuff in right. the hard drug. But then all the guys that were the pill takers, they started complaining to Vince about he letting guys smoke pot. So then they put pot on the list. Once they put pot on the list of things you can't do, wrestlers started dropping like flies. Right. Because they were doing other shit. Well, the right. opium. Right. The pain pill. Right. See, when people, even the newspaper, when they talk about opium, people think about opium as some guy standing on the corner. Opium is not sold on the corner. It's a pharmaceutical drug. Mm-hmm. You go to your doctor, he gives you the pain pills. And they was getting big kickbacks from the pharmaceutical company to get one of these pills. So they just like pumping these pills into people. And every say, when Vince say you can't smoke pot no more, every wrestler you'd look at from an overdose, I, I really bet you dollar donut is from pain pills. Not from cocaine. But people always talk about cocaine like it was such a bad drug. Right. Who died from cocaine? Name right. someone. Right, I understand. There's wrestling there so much cocaine that they, Columbia had to start a new state just to feed them. Yeah, yeah. But how many died from it? Look at Jake. Is he dead? No. Tony Atlas, is he dead? No, you're doing all right. Got any blow? And they all did cocaine. <laughs> but if Unbelievable. I, but if I did octocotton, right. I wouldn't be here. Right. So the legal drugs, what is so weird, what is legal is more deadly than what was in legal. I'm not surprised to hear that. Je- uh, we've A couple of times we've had you on. Actually, we've had you on a bunch of times, but we've never discussed Jesse the Body Ventura. What was it like working with Jesse Ventura? How was he towards you as a friend, Jesse Ventura? Working with Jesse Ventura was like working with the White House. Okay. Jesse should have never been a wrestler. Should have been a politician? He's a politician. <laughs> Jesse okay. was been a politician ever since I know. He be wrestling you, telling you about something. <laughs> Jesse, country on the match. Well, this and that, bop, 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 bop. Yeah, but but he always been into been into politics, and it started from what he told me when they dumped that Agent Orange on him. He said they was on the ground when they done that, mm. and ever since that, he just wanted to get involved. With politics, because he said he wanted to make sure that our veterans is never mistreated. Because he always felt that the veterans never got, uh, uh, you know, they go and they fight. Then when they come back, it's kind of like yeah, they get shit on. 
Yeah, but he was yeah. that Vietnam too, so they got right. spit on. Right. Yep. I mean, I vets have really got abused yep. real yep. bad. The, the Vietnam vet. Sickening, but yes, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so, yep. so he always wanted to get into politics to do something, and he wanted to help wrestling too. He wanted to start a union in wrestling. The, the the guy that there was one guy that tried one one time before. His name was Sputnik Monroe. Mm-hmm. Now that's somebody they should look up. You know Sputnik Monroe. I wrestled him. The audience was eighty percent black, and I walked out there. I'm in Amarillo, Texas. I'm working for Dory Funk. He ran Amarillo, and I said, "I'm going to get over like a million dollars. Look at all these black people. I'm going to get out like a million dollars." I go out, and everybody there uh, booed me. me. They booed you. Why they boo you? Sputnik came out, and they cheered oh, him. Oh, they love Sputnik. Every black person loves Sputnik Monroe. Okay. And, and Ric Flair copied him. When you listen to Ric Flair talk, that ain't Flair. That's Sputnik Monroe. Get out of here. Really? Sputnik Monroe, the Cadillac down the ring. Mm. If you can find one of his interviews, you think it's Flair. We're going to have to. Uh, now I'm curious. Flair, I Ric never Flair noticed is that. made of two people. Sputnik Monroe. I never knew that. And, and uh, 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 Buddy Rogers. Okay. Okay. That's Strut. That's Buddy Rogers. Yeah, yeah. That I can see. So All he right. took Buddy Roger and Sputnik Monroe. Sputnik he took Monroe. Buddy Roger work, work, uh, ring uh, work, and took Sputnik Monroe interview. Wow. That's why everybody loved and loved Sputnik so much. And Dusty Rose took Thunderbolt Patterson interview. Mm. That's why Dusty was over so well with black people. Right. There was more, Dusty Rose had more, and Sputnik Monroe had more black fans. In fact, Sputnik Monroe, people don't know this, in Memphis, blacks and whites could not sit together right. in the arena. Right. The, the whites sat on the, the floor, mm-hmm. the blacks sat up in the back of it. Mm-hmm. They called it the crow nest. Okay. The crow nest where the blacks sat. Wow. Sputnik Monroe became a big star in Memphis. He was drawn real good in Memphis. Became a you know big name there. So he went to Jerry the King Lauder. And he said, black people money spend the same way as white people money. Mm-hmm. You should allow black people to set wherever they want to set. This money is just as good. So he kept on Jerry Lauder, kept on Jerry Lauder. Finally, Jerry Lauder allowed, he had an integrated audience. And, but Sputnik Stood up for black people. So wait a minute. You're telling me Jerry Lawler didn't believe in integration at all? And oh, was he nobody did. The... It wasn't so much Jerry Lawler. It was the law of the land. He was just resisting the inevitable. It was, anyway. it was, it was just right. a time. Right. Yeah. I it wasn't Jerry. It right. was. Right. See, back in the older days, everybody went by the rules. Just like you know, you you, you had a a, a pandemic in 18, 1918. Correct. Where the they told us. Told everybody what to do. Everybody did it. Right. You had that same pandemic today. They're not. It, right. So people yeah, was, was different. more different. What I want to say, uh, everybody just stayed in their lane. Right. They stayed in their place. Subservient. It was a pecking order, not right. just in wrestling, but just in the world. Which sure. Just a certain sure pecking order. Right. Just like if you, uh, my mother used to work for people a- as a maid. All help, all help, no matter who was. They went through the back door. 
They did. My mother couldn't walk through the front door. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't her color. Because other people that worked there, they was white. They had to go through the back door. They had a back entrance for for the workers. Mm -hmm. And you wasn't you wasn't allowed on certain areas. Just like in wrestling, I wasn't allowed to just walk into the office. Whereas a guy like Wahoo McDaniel or Rick Flair could just walk into the office. I had to have an appointment. It was just a pecking order, not just in wrestling. It was just that's how the world. It went. Yeah, yeah that's just how the world went. All right, Tony, we're going to take a quick. you got to realize uh, Jerry started wrestling 50 years ago. He just celebrated his 50th sure, anniversary sure. as old, a wrestler. He's old school. He's from the old yeah, days. Obviously. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and you brought a special guest in and a little Christmas surprise for the fans watching your show. What's in your stocking? That's what we're going to find out. So right <laughs> after this commercial break. We shall return in a moment. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut. Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. And Nitro's Garage for all your automotive needs. Call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage, ask for Jack. <laughs> oh, what's up, Mike? Hey, Jimmy, what's going on? Yeah, not the much. You know, Jimmy, I love this country. Oh. I love to buy Made in America material. And I love to buy my artwork at TAG, T-A-A-G, Made in America, 14 East Broadway, Port Jefferson, New York, 11717, the shop at the corner. For all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics. Pride, performance, and partnerships. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, where we have frequent visitor, Hall of Famer, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, with a special Christmas edition for the fans. So, Tony, you said you never got a Christmas gift. Yeah. You never got anything. Yeah. What can Monty and the Pharaoh get you for Christmas? Ha-ha! <laughs> what a ham. What? What the hell's going on? Oh, Merry Christmas! <laughs> Holy Ooh, what a rush. Tony, what does that do for you? You like that? Maybe it hummers me. It hummers Talk to me. us. Tell us what that does for you. By the way, can you introduce your friend there that oh, unloaded you? This is my very good <laughs> friend for, for 20 years. This is Miss Laura Clucci. She's been my friend for uh, uh, 
nearly 20 years. She helped me out. She's a very good friend of my wife. She's been a, a family friend for, for many, many years. She's the best friend I got uh, up in Maine. But everybody need a balance. Everything that I've ever done in my whole life, I dominated. I dominated bodybuilding. I dominate powerlifting. When I was an amateur wrestler, I dominated. When I started in the wrestling business, one year after I started in the wrestling business, I was a main event. I never really had to work hard because I was always so dominant in everything I ever did. This is my balance. So when I when when that happened, it humbles me. It gives me humbleness. It's non-sexual. But I just feel humble to be dominated by a female. So you meet her, and then at what point do you say, hey, look, sometimes I need help with this. Can you do this? And she's like, okay, no problem. I'm going to punch you in the face. I'm going to kick you in the face. No, she's a nice lady. <laughs> she Are you sure in the that face. She's a nice like lady. maybe sometimes your wife is tired but of no, giving you, you see, a beating and she asks her to Laura, do a favor or something? Laura, Laura, Laura is, a, is a special person. She uh, got a big heart, and she's a very... She got a talent that very, very few people have. She know she listens. There's a difference between listening and hearing. When somebody blow the horn in the car, you hear it. Listening means you let things soak in, you think about it. Laura helps a lot of people that uh, other people don't understand. She's non-critical of, of, uh, of uh, anybody. She's the only person that ever stepped on me. Uh, that never call me weird or sick or abnormal. So you get a feeling of normalcy around her mm. because she don't judge anybody. You know, she's non-judgmental. And uh, she got a big heart. She takes on a lot of other people's problems and try to help people in any way they can. Not too long ago, I hope she don't mind me saying this, but we got bus drivers in Maine. And Laura liked riding the bus, you know, the city bus, where she went and cooked for all of them. Just, they didn't ask her to do it, but she see these poor guys working all the time, nobody showing no respect. So we, she went home, bought a bunch of stuff, and made them some, some holiday tweets. She would do things like that. Another neighbor, he got a dog, and he never wanted to walk much, you know. She would go get the dog, go walk the dog. She got an understanding of other people. So with me, uh, I need that balance. It keeps me from. It keeps me grounded. Mm. And, and see, Domin, uh, Dominatrix is most most people that end up being dominated are, in real life are very dominant people. So once now you have to humble yourself to something, and that humbleness. Help you to, you know, kind of cool your jets for a while. It's a sedative. Otherwise, I'd be like this all the time, you know, and nobody would like me. In the wrestling business, the term is soft hands and feet. Does she have soft hands and feet? Because that looked like that hurt. Are they so are they soft, soft blows? Does she, you know, or was that illusion I just saw? Because she looked like she just kicked the shit out of you pretty much. So I'm just. Well, you want to call her and punch No, no, no. I don't want to find out for myself. I, she I, hit, I, it's fine. She hit hard. No, I don't want, I don't want. She I, hit hard, good. but, but with me, it's normal because I've been doing it since I was six. Right. I used to get girls in, in, in school to punch me. Really? 
What the See, everything about somebody, nobody developed nothing. <laughs> it's right. You know how people say that, that uh, being gay, they learned that? No. You born the way you are. Hmm. You born the way you are. It's in you. It, the first time I went and picked up a weight. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm not going to let this one pass. Yeah, I, are, you, are you saying that you believe, and I'm not saying I believe or not, but that you believe that people are born gay genetically? It's yeah. not a learned habit. No. Yeah. Yeah. And what I makes was, you believe that? The Virginia Negro Baptist Children's Home. I was raised up in foster homes. I was around a lot of young boys. And there was other boys that you'd take a shower with. You know, boys took a shower together. Well, you look at one kid, all of a sudden, he's a kid now. And he's looking at you like he's looking at a woman. And he's excited. Another kid don't want to look at you. Then, as I grew up, people, people don't change that much. My mom said, my mother always knew me because she knew me as a child. And you ask your mom, your mom will tell you, he's the same as he's always been. Mm. People are born to be what they are. The first time I, I picked up a weight, I never put him down. Another person go pick up a weight, a month later he quits. Another person pick up a book, he don't want to read it. Another person pick up a book, he can't put it down. We born the way we are. Nobody is taught anything. You got to have feelings for that. It, it's something your brain is telling you, I like that. The, <coughs> the brain controls the body. The body don't control the brain. Nobody could teach me. Nobody that. could teach me to look at Pharaoh <laughs> and get excited. You can't teach me that. Yeah, that just comes naturally. Thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, Tony. You understand Tony. what I'm trying to say? <laughs> and nobody could tell Pharaoh to look at Tony Atlas and get excited. You can't teach Pharaoh That's that. That's true. You can't. It's got to be in him. It's a feeling he get when he's around. Males. It's a feeling I get. Tony, when, you don't have to worry about a fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, when, <laughs> when I'm around big, strong, domineering women, right. it's a feeling I get. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's how it is with everything. Just like Damn. wrestling. Damn. You feel it. It's like broadcasting. Like what you guys do, I could never do. It's not in me. The first time I pick up a pencil, I don't know if I told you this story or not. I, uh, my mother, we used to go to Sunday school. So my mother drew me some pictures to color because she couldn't afford a color book. So she bought uh, some paper, and she, my mother was a born artist, and she drew pictures for us to color, so we had something to color. We had a one box of crown that we had to share. So she drew all of her pictures. Well, I color all my pictures quicker than my brother did. Then I flipped the paper over and drew other pictures to draw. Wow. Wow. Nobody ever taught me how to draw. I knew from day one. You take a singer. Like, I, I saw this thing on... All these singers like uh, Whitney Houston and uh, uh, Jennifer Huxley. Nobody taught Jennifer Huxley how to sing. She always, it was in her. Mm. They, they started little kids. They showed tapes of these little kids singing and dancing. Michael Jackson, nobody taught Michael how to sing. You born the way you are. Mm. Now you could, we all got demons. So, as we grow, we need to control certain things about us. But it's in you. Like a killer. He, I saw a thing on Jeffrey Dahmer the other night. Nobody taught Jeffrey Dahmer how to keep body parts. You know, he born like that. He's just a natural. Yeah. His really. parents didn't teach him to do that. Right. He, he's born that way. So we are 
what we all, yo, no, yeah, I think that anybody that is 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 homosexual, they were born that way. They, it's just that's it's a fair, feeling. That's fair enough. Because everything it, everything comes from the inside out. You get around a bunch of men, you feel different, and then you around women, you don't feel the same thing. You know. So we are what we are. Everybody want to try to say is you different, but we had a a, a lot of time. What could, another thing that could cause you to be different than what you born to be is a head injury. Like I had a head injury when I was six. I, you know, there's a dent in my head right here. A boy named Jerry Hayes pushed me into the creek, and I fell head head first. Into a creek, and I remember my brother used to pick on me because I, I was always, I used to get called retarded when I was young because I was always slow at learning things. Ever since then, and my mother, I remember my mother voice saying, "Well, y'all leave him alone now. You know he ain't been the same since that accident." She said, "Y'all leave him alone because he had not been the same since that accident." So I was damaged, head trauma as a kid, and then a lot of kids would go through trauma. In family, that would cause them to be different than what they born to be. So they all things that will change you to be uh, something that you are not definitely uh, bent. But sometimes it's even a, a trauma that that caused you to just change your your life. I knew a, a girl that uh, was not born gay, but she was date dating bikers. And they abused her so much, she didn't want nothing to do with men. But she was not born gay. She dated men. Mm -hmm. But then she got to the point, the, the abuse, every time she was around a man, she felt that she going to get abused. So she just gave up on men and just started dating women. So there are incidents where... People learn. Right. But the majority of gay people, they, they born that way. All right, Tony, it's Chris. I don't care how good you look... Uh, Marty, you get naked and all you want. They ain't going to do nothing to me. You can wear tennis shoes all day. They ain't going to do nothing. Mini skirt, none of that. Now, Farrell. I knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. I should get a haircut. I Stop looking at me. Merry Christmas, Stop Farrell. looking at me. So, Tony, Oy. we're out of time. I want you to say, look, you're a big influence on a lot of people. It's trying times for some people out there. It's the holiday season. Can you send a message to the fans out there for, for Christmas holiday with, you know, any kind of Tony Atlas message. I'm going to use what my mom said. Enjoy today. For tomorrow is promised to no one. Count your blessings. And be appreciated for what you got. We, as a, as a race of people, had lost appreciation. How can you drive a $60,000 car, live in a $200,000 home, eat so much that you overweight and be miserable? If, if, if you got a roof over your head, food in your stomach, and you got your health, count your blessings. We are living the greatest country in the history of the world. And most of us, we complain about things where there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Never concentrate on your problem, only your solution. Because once you find a solution, you no longer have a problem. 
You only have a problem in life if you don't have a solution to it. If I'm thirsty and you give me water, I don't have a problem. If I'm hungry and you give me food, I don't have a problem. If I'm homeless and you give me shelter, I don't have a problem. If I'm naked and you close me, I don't have a problem. So why is I'm complaining? Enjoy today for tomorrow is promised to nobody. Kneel for God, stand for the flag, God, country, and self. And love each other. Love thy neighbor as thyself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love no one else. Love yourself. Be happy that you stand here. I did Legend House uh, in 2014. We earned Legend House in 2014. Eight years ago, eight years later, half of the people that work me is no longer living. Life is the most precious thing. And once you lose life, you lose everything. You lose everything. Be happy with what you got. Because there's always somebody doing worse. If you ain't in Ukraine right now, shut the hell up. You're doing all right. Ukraine ain't doing all right. People all over the world is not doing all right. People in South Florida is not doing all right. They just had a hurricane destroy their homes and everything. There's people all over that's not able to celebrate. So if you're able to have Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, if you're able to eat on Thanksgiving and you wake up and you can breathe God fresh air and you're not out in the cold, homeless or nothing, you ain't got nothing to be complaining about. You should be ashamed of yourself. So I'm not ashamed of myself. I don't have much, but I got my health. I got good friends. Marty and, and Farrell are very good friends. I got a beautiful uh, six-foot woman to punch me in the face. I got a wife that love me. I got a daughter that love me. I'm doing okay. Tony couldn't say it any better. This has been the Tony Atlas Christmas special. I want to thank you all for joining us on these three wonderful shows. We'll see you Thursday where we have WCW star Glacier Ooh. in studio. Jimmy, you want to send us out? You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh. Happy holidays, folks. Merry Christmas. And, of course, until next week, on behalf of Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, this is Monty. This is the Pharaoh. Later. <laughs>